are live and we're recording. Barely. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Oddities. Hi. I'm Cassie. I'm Anna. And we're awake. <laughs> well, one of us is. One of us is, and it is I. <laughs> Before I forget, um, we're on social media. Please follow along. The, dis- uh, the descriptions are in the description. Oh, my God. The information <laughs> is in the description box. <laughs> also in there is a link to our Patreon page. If you love us and you're able to donate please consider doing so. You can do it for as low as a dollar a month, just $12 a year, and you get access to a bonus episode every Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. That's right. That's right. Yeah, man. So, how are we? Oh, but we got a a very nice email from someone (gasps) that couldn't be a patron, but it was the sweetest email ever. It was the sweetest email, so um, thank you. <laughs> but also, I was trying to figure out, like, is it okay if we say the name? Because the name, I don't think it's, you know, clearly not their their true name, so. Well, well yeah, the, the name that came up when they emailed us was hysterical. And also, it was just the sweetest awesome. email. She was. It was so nice. They were uh, so kind. So kind. And we're so happy that we're helping you get through uh, school and the pandemic uh, while a- attempting to keep your sanity in check. So God thank knows you for listening. Yeah, and God knows it's very difficult. We're, we're, we're with you in this boat. We're just tirelessly oh, yeah. rowing. Just, a, just every day is a challenge. Just remember, everybody, expectation is the root of all disappointment. And there you have it. And there you have it. Wise words from yours truly. That's why every time they click on this podcast, they're like, ah. <laughs> they don't a newfound gem of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> They're all going to be on mugs in our merch shop, so brace yourself. Don't worry about it's that. It's coming. We're going to wear that shit as a shirt. Yes. Precisely. Precisely. So, how are you? I'm incredibly tired. I had a rough week of work. But I started playing Breath of the Wild again. To like de stress oh, after work. Dude. So much fun. I, I Just killing shit. Slicing I, grass. Go, oh, all the time. I got a battle. All axe. the grass. See ya. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big time lawn mowing. It's a I <laughs> I forgot like how fun that game is. Oh yeah. That game's a blast. And that game is so fun. But yeah, otherwise that's that's been me. I've been working and then the second I'm done working, I'm like, what if I just be Link for two hours? <laughs> But it's so much fun. That game's great. And I so I have it on the Wii U, which is back in New Jersey. But we have a Switch here. I'm tempted to just re-download it and just Dude. do it here. YOLO swag, you know. Swag, swag, swag. Hello, fellow high schoolers. Hey, fellow kids. <laughs> I know. I Every... Someone... Oh, because my mom, if you... Oh, this is, uh, hi gang. Not only are expectations the root of disappointment, but also time's a flat circle. So this is way in the future, allegedly. But this is the same week where the bonus content was my mom. Because my mom stayed with me earlier this week. Yes, because we got shit on by snow. 
Oh my god. And we're supposed to get more. Yeah, you guys can't I've, win right now. I've had enough. Like I snow we can't for days. We can't have all this snow and then also quarantine. We can't. It it is an awful lot at once. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> but anyway, I I don't remember my point. It's gone now. Anyway, my mom stayed with me this week. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's my fault. Sorry. No, that's okay. I just, I can't remember what my point was. And now all of a sudden I, I'm losing so much track of time way outside of the normal realm that I usually lose it because all of a sudden I was like, my mom stayed with me this week. Like I felt like this week was a month. This was a long week. It's, it's, I, (laughs) anyway, how are you? Um, <clears throat> I'm good. Let's see. First, I'd like to go on a rant, if I may, just for a few. Okay. I just really feel like it's important for me to say Uh-oh. that if we all just spent less time in competition with each other. Oh, yeah. And jealous of each other mm-hmm. and trying to tear each other down. Woman to woman or man to man or person human to person to human. doesn't. Yeah, human to human. It really doesn't matter. Just, like, the only person you should be in competition with is yourself, in my opinion. Sure. And just try and, you know, be better each day. I'm getting very tired of a specific person very clearly being in competition with me all the time. Um. I'm also not the right person to pick for that. Um, Also, hi... I, I really hate to be this person, but we're all going to die someday, so it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Nothing matters. So, Hi. <laughs> if we all just spent a little more time being happy for each other and, like, sure. just staying in our own lane and just focusing on our own shit, I uh-huh. think we'd be astounded at how much better the world could be and our interpersonal relationships in general could mm-hmm. be. And so... I'm just going to leave that here. Also, if you don't feel like your lane is busy enough to distract you, that you have to look at other people's highways or lanes, I should say, if we're going to stick with this metaphor, maybe you should pick up a hobby. Yeah, I don't know. Go, go, I don't know, do something except for like laying around all the time. So (laughs) I just like, I needed to get that off my chest. I am excruciatingly tired of this person doing it. Um... (laughs) I like that I you're don't... just taking this segment to just be like, you in particular, fuck you. This person probably isn't even listening to this, but I'll feel oh. And it's just, you know, for our listeners, just like, if you ever find yourself doing it, just like, don't worry about what other people are doing. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. And if you're if you're unhappy, then change something and don't try and do it because somebody else is doing something. Do it because you want to do it. I mean, I think if you... If you see someone doing something and that makes you want to set a new goal in your own life, that's different. But I sure, I don't think sure. that there's, there's literally no, we invented every single thing that we're, we're talking about and like a- anything in our lives is our own accepted reality. And I just feel like me- being like, well, they did this and blah, like there's no reason to measure anything like that. Everyone's life is different and we're all going to die. <laughs> that's exactly right. So welcome back to Oddities, another <laughs> uplifting episode. I know. Beyond that, so sorry. Beyond, beyond that, uh, things are pretty good. Um, let's see. So second week of school, so far so good. Really, really enjoying it. There are a lot of very, very intelligent people in my courses. It's really nice to be able to like 
have discussion with them and things like that. It's very clear that I'm going to uh, learn a lot and grow a lot throughout this program. So that's what I'm paying for. So good that's thing I'm wonderful. getting it. Yes. Um, I received some really great news about a big scholarship that I'm going for. So everybody, please collectively keep your fingers crossed because this could be very big for me. So please Huzzah. send all the well wishes and good thoughts my way. <laughs> um, and today, uh, Corey and I are celebrating our we're we're celebrating our four year anniversary. What a ride it's been! <laughs> I th- I'm, um, that seems like four years seems crazy to I, me. I don't know why I thought it was like longer, but I also thought it was shorter. I'm like not sure. That's what's exactly how I feel. Yeah, I know it's very strange. Um, so our anniversary is actually Monday, but we're celebrating it today because, like I said to Anna before we started recording. Everything goes downhill once Monday hits. So that's really true. Everything that's uh, it. I, everything goes to hell. The second you open your eyes on Monday and you're like, oh, you're like, I have to work like my Monday. Oh, I can't even think of it. Like, oh my god. You're like, oh, fire and brimstone. Ah, we're off. <laughs> ah, here we are. We've made it. Yeah, it's um. So we're we've got a very fun but very you know obviously low key day planned because there's only so much you can do and sure. that is it for moi. No. Same shit, different day. Just real tired of people trying to one-up me because I'm not here for it. Also, like, it's going to be okay, gang. Yeah, everybody just shut up. Jesus Christ, you, you know? know what I mean? Just, like, just shut up. It's 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 going to be okay. It's it's going to be okay. Everything's yeah, going to so be fine. Just... Everybody take a breath. Everybody relax. That's exactly what needs to happen. Everybody needs to just calm the fuck down. <laughs> so you heard it here first. You know. Okay, gonna, take care. It's going to be a mess of an opener to edit. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it. I meant every word I said of it, so it's fine. <laughs> and I could not give less of a shit if the person uh, hears it anyway. It'd be good for them. I think it's good for everybody. Everybody needs to just is. settle. It's going to be all right. I think let's it, all do some yoga. Let's all have a oh, candy bar. Let's all relax. That's the other thing I've been doing this week. So because my I've been very mentally just like crazy and it's been snowing, I've been doing like HIIT workouts and core workouts. They're the best. Dude, the HIIT workout I did, I did it through like Apple Fitness because you get a month free or whatever. And mm-hmm. I got out of bed the other day and my calves were like, we're alive. And I was like, I don't want you to be. Oh yeah. That, that'll that kick your ass. That's like my favorite kind of workout. I feel like it's very efficient. Dude, that shit kicks your ass. I can't even, the, the woman who did my core, her name was Bettina. Every, like every position change where she would be like, okay, now we're going to get on our side for plank. I was like, fuck you, Bettina. Oh, yeah. Like, any time in general that I'm working out, it's just, I mean, it's pretty much just, like, cursing straight through. But I find that the number of curse words and variety of curse words increases exponentially when I'm doing HIIT workouts. But they also help. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You gotta let the, just let it out. Let let the air out. You gotta just, I mean, just stream forth from your mouth. Just say them. All the words. And as soon as I'm done, I'm so thankful to the instructor, my girl Bettina. I'm like, wow, thank you. That was so great. But at the time, I'm like, I hate you. I can't stand anything about you. I'm in excruciating pain. You are a true hell creature, Bettina. (laughs) And then at the end of it, you're like, 
Bettina, let's do this again sometime. Yeah, and then I went into, she does, like, other ones. I went into a different one. I was like, Bettina, let's hang out. And then halfway through it, I was like, Bettina, you fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. She's great, though. She's. I feel like my core is on, she's like, you feel like your core is on fire? I was like, yes. Yes, I do. Thanks for asking. But, yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. been... Yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. should we uh, skiddly doodly do right into this? Love that. Big fan. Sure. Thank you. Mine's lengthy. I also think I went first last time. All right. I can go Would first. You... Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> Truly. You know? <laughs> uh, I'm doing Monk's Castle this week. Ooh, love this. I don't know what that's about. Well... Neither did I. And then it unfolded. Big monk energy. It, it unfolded before me, and I was like, my God. Oh, shit. Okay. So, located on a ridge in Montclair, New Jersey, is Classdor Salvatorian Father's Monastery, which is apparently still open because I Googled it. Well, of course it's in New Jersey. We already know that this is going to be a shit show. I didn't even know Monastery still existed. I know. We actually have one, I think, not too far from here, and they have a great gift shop. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's a business, folks. Just remember that. That's right. Also, what do they do there? At monasteries? They wear robes and pray, mostly. And they just, just, like, walk around. Like, it's like, I guess my question is, boy, this is going to sound real dumb. So if if anyone wants to educate me, please do. What's the difference between, like, where monks live and monasteries? I think that is the same, no? Oh, it is? I think so. Oh, so maybe that wasn't that dumb of a question. Or maybe I'm equally dumb. I don't know. (laughs) It's hard to say. (laughs) I I don't know shit about monasteries, but I was like, monasteries are open? I had this idea that they were these, like, ancient things, but okay. So there's one open in Montclair. (laughs) Great. Yeah, so they just walk around in robes and they pray and, you know, they're deep in thought. And then from time to time you hear them doing chants like, you know, all that shit. See, this makes me want to go. Big monk energy. I could get down with that. You know, it's quiet. It's peaceful. If I shave my head and I got a deep voice, like they wouldn't know. Same. Just give me my own room. Oh, for sure. We can't be sharing that with anybody. We no, can't no, have no. that. That's, no, no, that's, no. that's gross. Um, so, okay. Right beside this monastery is a 15-acre piece of property known as the Kip Estate. Should have known. Kip, 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 Kip. Kippity, it, Kip, Kip. There's a building on this estate, and it's an authentic Rhineland-style castle. Oh, it's German. German as fuck. Yeah. There was a man that lived there. And it was built for him, and his name was Frederick Kip. Frederick Kip. Oh, oh, love that accent. Thank Bring you. that baby out, yeah. He was a textile industry magnate, and his wife, Charlotte, they lived there and it was built for them. And the house was originally known as Kipsburg, or simply the castle. The castle TM. <laughs> this is the energy that I want later okay. in my life. Dude, this is all I want. Is to have mm-hmm. enough money and to find, I mean, to find a piece of property like this in New Jersey now, forget it, but no, that you can just live in a castle and you're like, yes, we're going home to the castle. Yes. You may refer to it as the castle. castle. 
TM. Oh, my friends come over. They're like, we're going to the castle. Oh, yes. Yep. That's That's exactly it. That's it. So it was transported stone by stone via Europe in 1902 and has original stained glass windows, oak paneled rooms, hand carved banisters, and a small chapel with a cathedral ceiling and a mahogany mantelpiece. Sounds precisely like where I'm living. Beautiful. Yeah. Also very a la Winchester Mansion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't hate it. I love it. It has 30 rooms, and it was completed in 1905. Go look at that door. Go go see what's behind that door. Check that door. (laughs) (laughs) I, I also... This sounds very beautiful, and it's finished in 1905, but it's, they particularly were like, bring this stone, bring this stone, bring this stained glass, all that's important. Oh, okay. Because in the late 1980s, the Kip Estate is bought by Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. Here we fucking go. Did you watch Wild Wild Country on Netflix? No. Oh my god. For that documentary, okay. So if you haven't seen it or don't know anything about this, here's a synopsis. Okay. Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh was an Indian godman, mystic, and founder of the Rajneesh movement. He was also known as like Osho, all these weird fucking names. The Rajneesh okay. movement was controversial in the 1970s and the 1980s due to the founders very hostile. Like they were the traditional values of their whatever the fuck they were, cult, movement, whatever they were. Uh, Mm -hmm. By the way, as a fair warning, I may get very angry about these people because they enrage me. Oh, perfect. But the followers basically surrender completely to Bhagwan slash Osho. And they give up their belongings, their past, their names, everything. They basically... This is some, like, brainwashing shit. Big time. And yeah. they basically wear all red or all orange, and that's how they're distinguished. Like they Those have, aren't even cute colors. They have no distinguishing characteristics. They're completely washed. And also, if this man, I'm pretty sure, doesn't speak after a certain point. So what do you people do? I, I can't. What the and, fuck? Okay. In the documentary, they interview the people. Like, the people that were in it, the people that were a part of it. I'm going to talk about one woman that I think is the Antichrist. And they seem to have, like, no understanding that they were in a cult. Oh, my gosh. Or, like, they know, but they're just like, it was fine. It wasn't. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. So, it's, it's, oh, it's so enraging. Okay, so before joining the cult, most of the Rajanese faithful were well-educated, middle-class citizens of the United States and Europe. Okay. And this is the 1970s and the 1980s, so everyone's everyone's personality is just, like, floating out the window for some weird reason that no one understands. Cults right, were right, huge right. during this era. Mm-hmm. Okay, when the movement went to Oregon, which is where it ended up, they okay. caused immediate tensions in the local community by attempting to take over the town. There were... Several people that were arrested for crimes, including attempted murder, and being part of the U.S.'s first recorded bioterror attack in order to influence the outcome of a local election in their favor. That ultimately failed. Whoops. Okay. Whoopsie-doopsie. Salmonella was deployed to infect salad products to local restaurants and shops, which poisoned several hundred people 
and they burnt down a Wasco County planning office in the process. Jesus. So this okay. is th- that's all in Oregon, but his mm-hmm. right-hand man, Bogwan's right-hand man was Ma Anand Sheila. This is okay. the woman I think is the antichrist and they interview her in the documentary and she has zero remorse about anything. And while I was watching her, I was like, why are we giving this woman screen time? Like this she woman like she sucks, but also yeah, why are we? Like why why am I I I was so angry. Like, my blood pressure hit the ceiling watching this documentary. I was like, why are we giving this woman airtime? She doesn't yeah. care. She has no remorse. So she this this bitch flees the country, allegedly with $40 million of Bhagwan's money. Oh, okay. He, but she's arrested in West Germany, where she was extradited to the U.S., where she was found guilty of attempted murder, assault, arson, and wiretapping, and was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison. Guess how many years that she is served? N- probably like fucking nine or something. Four and a half. Oh my god. Our system is so fucked up. She only gets oh sentenced to 20 years and then she serves four and a half. I know. I'm not fine with either of those. It's fucking ridiculous. God. Uh, so oh meanwhile, god. Our, our boy Bogwan is arrested in uh, 85 in Charlotte, North Carolina, while en route to Bermuda. And charged with 35 counts of felony immigration violation and unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. <laughs> I like that that's a law. You're Throw like, that you, right in there. Like, you can't fly out of this country just to avoid prosecution. You're not allowed. <laughs> not today, Satan. Not today. Grabs him by the tail codes. Get back. <laughs> so he pled guilty to two counts of immigration violations and received a 10-year suspended sentence of four hundred thousand dollar fine and five years probation outside of the u.s and i was like i was like this is not that i was very pissed by that i was like this is not that much blah, blah, blah. but this is all just like a slap on the wrist and this is why in like mm-hmm. like detective television shows and everything else like when they they catch the guy they're like they're gonna go away for a long time they never no, they're do. not they're not. They never fucking do. It's so annoying. Also, this is why detective shows end at that sentence. That's exactly right. And that's why they don't go beyond that. Because they're like, uh, sorry, everybody. Yeah, sorry. He's going to get off bubble. on a technicality. We'll see him again in a year and a half. Right. <laughs> so he is denied entry to settle in a ton of countries. Greece, Great Britain, Fiji, Spain, Uruguay. A ton of Love them. Love that. And so he settles back in his home country of India he dies there of heart failure before his exile from the U.S. has ended. In my notes, I go, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I do not like these people. You have no t- You are what my energy was at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> I just go, sucker. <laughs> um, so the, the Oregon community was destroyed in 1985. And also in my notes, I have, seriously, if you haven't seen this documentary on Netflix, watch it. Fair warning. I found it very infuriating. <laughs> I'm going to have to check it out. But I, yeah, I too it's very good. pissed off. So maybe this is not the moment for me to do that. I better, like, maybe give it a bit. Yeah, like, I would say if you find, because I, I think it, what, I've been trying to figure out why those documentaries like that enrage me. And I think it's because I hate the idea that, there's someone who's just like, I'm going to take advantage of people. Like I just, I think that's why our legal system makes me so angry (laughs) 
Because yep. I'm I'm just like, you can't do this. There's a distinction between right and wrong. Everyone knows it. Whether or not you were raised on religion, you know it. You can feel it in your body. Unless you're broken. For sure. Like Ted Bundy. Yes. And even he knew something wasn't right. That's true. So nobody can tell me that there's no distinction. So these people, I just feel like I'm like, you know you're doing something wrong. I know you can feel it in your tiny human body parts. Wow. I, I love this so, for you. I get so angry. I'm like, you cannot take advantage of people. You can't. You should not be allowed. And if and the yet, law won't do it, I that's why I was like, sucker. Because I was like, good. Yeah. That's what you deserve. You get Karma. nothing. Yeah. But so, okay. So, but that's that's the, a really, really quick synopsis on this cult. Mm. They... The Bogwan lands, and I'm so angry already. I just saw you rope it back. At, like, I physically watched you just like. So angry okay. already. So the Bogwan lands in 1981 in New Jersey. Yes. Or maybe in New York. He lands somewhere here. and Could have been JFK. We don't know. Probably was. And <laughs> he announces his arrival by placing an ad in Time Magazine preaching spirituality through sex. Why did Time Magazine allow this? But okay. I don't know. Because I think he had money, gained, money, like... Money, money, Right. I think he had also gained momentum, like, overseas. Like, this was a big cult. Not a cult. I, I don't... It, it's a I cult to me. I feel like this is a cult, though. Yeah. It's a cult to me. Mm-hmm. But they they he had gained momentum, like, overseas, and then he lands here. Great. Okay. Great. Excellent. Great. I also feel like they give him their money but I can't quite remember, so don't quote me on that. But anyway, so sex, one of the ads proclaimed in a bold headline, never repress it. Search all of the nooks and corners of your sexuality. It will be more fun. I just don't really like that they said nooks and corners, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to leave that there. I have to say that's a terrible choice of words for this. That is like, why? Why did we need to do that? Also the most 1980s headline I've ever heard. Big time. Big time. Big 80s energy. So people poured in from all over the world. One Montclair resident described the reaction of the community as, quote, panic-stricken in a New York Times article about the Rajanishis, which ran under the headline, quote, Guru's cult in castle troubles Montclair, unquote. So they they bought this castle. Here we are. We're and back at the castle, TM. Yeah. Another neighbor told the New York Times that they were, quote, very concerned about our property values, about our children, about this becoming an international headquarters for a free sex cult, unquote. I also like how property values was listed before our children. <laughs> I'm just, just going to point that out. I also feel like, how do you describe... I want... Like, I think it's great that they're they're interviewing normal people and blah, 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 normal people in quotes. But I also, yeah. why didn't they go to the monastery and been like, what do you guys think about this? Yeah, seriously. Like, why not ask the next door neighbors? You, you know why? Because the response they would have gotten is, <laughs> they would have been like, we don't know what to do with that. I mean, like, we can't print that. I don't know. I, I'm not going to print How do you spell a, that? I'm not going to print a string of E's. I can't do this. Go back to your Gregorian chant. We'll see you later. They're like, the monks think it's weird. I don't know. (laughs) But they do know how to have a good time. 
out. Meanwhile, the monks are like, shut the doors. Lock them out. <laughs> right. They're just like, Bark. everybody pray. Yeah, they're like, everyone get down. We gotta, we gotta make this place a fucking fortress. <laughs> so, Ma Anan Sheila convinced the Bogwan to buy the castle after falling in love with the area when she studied at Montclair State College. So he's supposed to, like he's supposedly like a god man, right? So in my yeah. notes I go, I don't know how she convinced a god, but okay. These things are doable so, apparently. So angry. There's so much sass within your notes. So angry. So while living in the castle, they smashed the stained glass windows. Wow, okay. They put linoleum on all the floors, covered the walls with sheetrock so that the followers wouldn't become too attached to the house's materialistic trappings. I hate that. Meanwhile, homeboy Bogwan drove on the back roads of Montclair to get used to the area in his 83 Rolls Royces. Right, 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 right. So this all seems very even. There are no discrepancies here. Right. The old do what I say, not as I do. Yeah, yeah, big time. Big yeah. time. Yeah. But wow. they're not, but they're not what in a, a cult. No, 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 no. This no. hardly can be called a cult. Not at no, all. No, no, no. No, no. no they're right all just there. wearing the same clothes and smashing things for no reason. And yeah. Yep. Yep. So yep. by the end of the Being summer. desensitized. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. By, yeah. Yeah, by the end of the summer of 1981, with $6 million of the profits generated through the sale of books and tapes of his teachings. What teachings? Oh, Jesus. Uh, distributed through his Montclair Center, Bogwan purchased a 64,228-acre ranch in Wasco County, Oregon, and they made a massive new commune there. Seriously, it's fucking wild. They had a police force, a shopping mall, beauty salons, discos, and an airport. What the fuck? As and long it, as discos were there. That's right. The Wasco County commune is what's featured in Wild Wild Country. So hmm. after Bogwan and his pals lived there so they, they left they were like we're going to Oregon I also oh oh by the way here's another fun fact about Bhagwan he left India the reason why he came to this country at all is because the Indian police were like hey we don't like this so he fled so they're very familiar with oh my country. god okay that, that's why the U.S. was like get back here <laughs> <laughs> so after Bhagwan and his pals lived there, Kip's castle and grounds fell into dilapidation until a law firm purchased it in 1985. Until 2005, considerable work was done to restore it to its grandeur. We love that. Yeah, because big time. all because the hard work. What they work, did was like an atrocity to that building. Right. All the hard work, all the specific stones and beautiful things brought over. Oh my God! In the night in 1905, was destroyed. In four yes. seconds. By people wearing yes. the same colored clothing. By people in red and orange. Fuckers. Uh, in the early 2000s, the law firm wanted to develop townhouses and on the property, but had a lot of trouble due to several lawsuits. I wrote in my notes, so why did they want to restore, restore it? Hello? <laughs> That's fine. Uh, in in uh. 2006, the house was placed on the market instead. The county of Essex purchased it in March 2007 as a result of the grants from the New Jersey Green Acres program. And it is now part of the historic Essex County Park system. Love that. Good. That's a happy ending for that structure. 
And the Salvation Monks are still there, chilling next door. <laughs> Those poor dudes. Those guys at this point have seen some shit. They had to have. You know they're probably tapping into the the blood of Christ pretty frequently, you know? Oh, my God. I feel like in the 80s, they were like, somebody get the wine. These people are doing wild shit over there. (laughs) But if if it is, in fact, monks that live at the monastery, which now that I've said that sentence, I think that's true, that monks live at monasteries. I think so. (laughs) We've made it. Um, They're like holy dorms. Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah. I don't know anything about this. But if they're all wearing the same thing, did they think yeah. that that cult was just like a very weird monastery? Like they were like, they like don't super seem colorful right. monks. <laughs> they're like, they don't seem right. And they're like yelling a lot. <laughs> monks are like, quick, go into the cathedral. We have to pray for them. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, blast the Gregorian chant. <laughs> Quick, they have to hear it. <laughs> Get the boom boxes. Get the boom. <laughs> they pull out the... There's one guy wearing, like, dope Nike sneakers under his robe. He's like, Get the boom box. Big time. Look, you can have some flair. Oh, my God, I'm crying from laughing. Oh, my uh, I love the... I love your Gregorian chant. I knew you'd like that. That was That's so just... good. When we do a sample of this episode, let's only have that and nothing else. So just literally just like 10 seconds of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, man. God bless so that's, America. That's right. So that's Monk's Castle. Wow. Yeah. I would, that's really I, interesting. I'm going to say this right now. I did a little synopsis on the Rajanishi, but I will not do an entire episode on it because I hate them. And I I agree. I don't think that they deserve the time. I don't think, like, if you wanted, also, there's a very good documentary about them, but I don't think that they deserve the airtime. I just gave the background of how big a piece of shit they are. That's it. They're a piece of shit. The end. Also, that's all you get. If someone tells you to give away your belonging, your belongings, belongings, if someone, if someone possesses the belongings, if someone tells you <laughs> to give away both of those things, and to give up your name and to wear clothes specifically to them, please, why are you saying yes to that? Yeah, can we just like maybe just stop and question it? They interview just... the people that were the cult people, and yeah. when I like the followers, and when I was watching them, I was like, you. One guy was like, well, it was fine. Like, he was, like, obstinate. And I was like, you have no personality. You have nothing. You have no backbone. You have nothing. You gave these people everything. You, Who are you? You don't know who you are. I, like, what kind of person are you to just be like, yeah, they can take everything. I'm just going to follow them around. Like, who are you? Well, it was also the 70s and the 80s. Right, but then years later, retrospectively looking back on it? That's the part of it that's mind-blowing to me. Is that's that, like, you know. Right, that's where I'm like, you're you're a weak person and you have no backbone. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're made of mud. Not the first on this podcast, by the way. That's right. My my blood pressure. Let's let's do some hit exercises. Just kidding. We don't need to raise anything right now. I'm turning into just like an old woman. My blood pressure. It's my blood pressure. <laughs> Here, do some Gregorian chants with me. 
<laughs> You'll feel much better. You really do. You just feel like, oh. Sometimes you just got to chant it out, you know? That's right. Yeah. I might put wow. it over well, the that theme was, music. That was super interesting, super infuriating, but I'm really glad you covered it. Um, I'm really glad that that building had a happy ending, at least. Me too. Yeah, and those poor dudes next door. But I, uh, cults and, and things like that, they're just always... Like, all of that's super interesting to me. Not because mm. I want to join a cult, but just, like, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's interesting to me. I think it's yeah. horrendous that they happen, but, like, learning the psychology behind it and all of that is what, it's to very me, is interesting. interesting. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I God, don't... that's crazy. I think that there are certain cults that are very interesting, but this, this kind of cult, which is, like, I'm a god, and then they just yeah. follow him around, and I'm pretty yeah, and sure like, he okay. doesn't speak. And then it's just this woman making all, like, uh, this is not, I don't, no. No, 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 no. We, you we be, have this. Right. Also, yeah. uh, my, a coworker I used to have, I watched this documentary and then went into work and was just complaining about it. And a coworker mm-hmm. I used to have just, like, is watching me and I was like, what? And he goes, I mean, it makes sense why you're so angry. He just goes, I would never see you as being part of a cult. And I was like, I can't, I'm too loud. And he just, like, started laughing, and he goes, right. And then he takes a really long pause, and he goes, a cult leader, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, yeah, but, died. Like, I was like, no way. Cool I, one. I, right. We would either be chill as fuck, or I wouldn't do it, because I, I have too much empathy. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That's right. Well, that was wild, dude. Well done. Yeah, Monk's Castle, man. I also Monk's desperately Castle. now want to go to that monastery. I just want to see what they're doing. We should check it out. I don't think much, man. I think they're literally, you know. Also, I mean, it kind of sounds like a nice life. Yeah, I could get down with it. I can't really get down with devoting myself to religion, but, like, everything else they got going on, it sounds pretty cool, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like I wish there was a monastery where, like, people could just go and hang out and no one would bother them. (laughs) I know. I think the thing about it that would be so, like enticing to me is just like the chance for sure the chance but besides that like i think also just like the inherent peacefulness that would be right around yeah. there old ass buildings quiet ass shit nice wide open spaces love i mean that. come on love and that you, you don't have anywhere to be you don't have to do anything no you have you have no big otherworldly pressing engagements you just kind of you hang out in your robe and you. <laughs> I'm just enveloped in that idea of a life. Sign me up. That's right. Well, so my topic's a little dark. Okay. This was actually recommended to me by my father, so it makes sense that it's dark. Yes. Because <laughs> Joe Passarella is a dark man. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I just gave away his name. Well, everybody knows anyway. Whatever. So also, he's such a like when you meet him, you would never know that he's a he's not like at so all. light and jolly he and wonderful. He loves hugs. He he's and he has a wonderful speaking voice. He does voiceover work. Everybody hire him. So yeah, he does. His 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 voice is amazing. It's very very nice. So the topic suggested to me by my father was uh, the Our Lady of the Angels School Fire. And this is in Chicago. My parents are from Chicago originally. You can hear it sometimes when they speak. If we ever get them on the podcast, you'll hear it. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so it's um, 
this is a heavy topic, so if this is something that you feel might upset you or whatever, you know, I'm just going to give our usual disclaimer. Feel free to skip to the end, and uh, we'll see you next week. So bye, take care, and stay strange. So, to start, Monday, December 1st, 1958, a fire broke out at the Our Lady of the Angels School in Chicago, Illinois, shortly before classes were supposed to be dismissed for the day. Um, It originated in the basement near the foot of a, like, a wooden stairway. It was an elementary school. Well, it was like K through eight. Um, it was operated by the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago and had an enrollment of approximately 1,600 students. Jesus. Uh, a total of 92 pupils and three nuns ultimately died. Although I saw like a few different numbers, but they're all in that range. Mm-hmm. Poor babies. Um, <clears throat> they died when smoke, heat, fire, and toxic gases cut off their normal means of egress through corridors and stairways, and they were essentially trapped. Um Many more were injured because they jumped from second floor windows uh, and higher because the building had a raised basement. Uh, so it, it was nearly as high as like a third floor would be or higher. Oh, shit. And the disaster was uh, the lead headline story in American, Canadian, and European newspapers. Pope John the 10, 20, 1, 2, 3, the 23rd. <laughs> sent, it's Roman, Roman numerals. <laughs> sent his condolences from the Vatican, uh, and the severity of the fire shocked the nation and surprised educational administrators of both public and private schools, and the disaster actually led to very major improvements in the standards for school design and fire safety codes. Well, that's good. So good for that. What what year was this? 58. Oh, my God. So, and it's interesting because uh, we actually, my dad's cousins were in this fire, they made it out, um, but oh they God. were in this fire. So that's it's interesting. So I got a little bit of some, some goss uh, on on all of this. So anyways, the, the background, press. hot off the press, hot off the passerella press. So that's right. Wow, love that name for like a newspaper though, right? That would that, be great. That alliteration. So mm-hmm. here's some background. Like I said, it was kindergarten through eight. It was an elementary considered an elementary school. It was one of several buildings associated with the large Roman Catholic parish. We're talking we're talking the Italian section of she's giving me the the italian hand gesture the hands so others included a church a rectory that was adjacent to the church a convent of the sisters of charity of the blessed virgin mary which was across that is a huge name across iowa street from the school and then two buildings one block east uh, referred to by the parish as joseph hall and mary hall respectively and that housed kindergarten and first grade classes uh so we've got like a pretty significant stretch here yeah. Uh, several buildings were not involved in the fire, uh, aside from like some minor smoke inhalation problems. There were no deaths or serious injuries associated with those buildings, uh, and neither were the first floor of the north wing, the entire south wing, or the annex of this, the main, like building. Uh, the total devastation was confined to the second floor of the north wing, and the north wing was part of a two-story structure built in 1910, but remodeled several times over the years. Uh, it originally consisted of a first-floor church and a second-floor school, and the entire building became a school when a new, much larger church was opened in 39. Um, so let's talk about the fire itself, so the outbreak and, like, reactions to it. So the fire began in the basement of the older north wing between, like, 2 and 2.20 p.m. Classes were due to be dismissed at 3 p.m. We were this close to everybody leaving for the day. Um, it makes, it makes my heart hurt. 
I know. Ignition took place in a cardboard trash barrel located a few feet from the stairwell that I mentioned. Uh, the That's fire also made of wood. Yeah, like, you know, matchsticks. So this, the fire smoldered undetected uh, for about 20 minutes and eventually heated the stairwell and filled it with smoke. And later it would become thick and black smoke. And, like, there were other combustibles that became involved. Uh, at the same time, <clears throat> it began sending superheated air and gases into an open pipe chase very near the source of the fire. This made an uninterrupted conduit up to the what is called the cockloft <laughs> above the second floor classrooms. Um, and so smoke began to fill the second floor corridor very quickly, right. basically. Uh, it did remain unnoticed for a few minutes, but then around 225, three eighth grade girls, Janet Delaria, Francis Guzaldo, and Karen Hobnick, returned from an errand, came up a different staircase to return to their second floor classroom in the north wing. Only one of those girls would survive. Uh, they encountered the thick grayish smoke, making them, you know, coughing and everything else. And they entered the rear door of room 211 and notified their teacher, Sister Mary Helene O'Neill. So she gets up from her desk. She starts lining up her students to get the fuck out. She's sure. like, she's like, not today. We're getting out of here. Uh, and when she opened the front door of the classroom moments later to enter the hallway, the intensity of the smoke caused her to deem it too dangerous to attempt escape down the stairs. <clears throat> um, so she remained inside the classroom with her students to await rescue. And the fire continued to strengthen over the course of several more minutes. And um, eventually the fire alarm started ringing. Took long A little enough. late. Yeah. At the same time, a window at the foot of the stairwell shattered due to the heat. And that gave a new oxygen supply to the fire, of course. Oh. And um, we know, as we know, fire feeds on oxygen. And so the burst of heat also ignited 30 inches by 24 feet roll of material described by the fire chief in his report as tarred building paper that was stored in the area, which, along with the petroleum-based waxes on the floors, caused the thick, oily black smoke that was believed responsible for so many of the smoke inhalation deaths uh, in the building. Then the wooden staircase burst into flames, acting like a chimney. It sent hot gases, fire, and this, this smoke just, like, swirling up the stairwell. Around the same time, the school janitor, James Raymond, saw a red glow through a window while he was walking by the building. And after running to the basement furnace room, he viewed the fire through a door that led to the stairwell. Uh, after instructing two boys who were emptying trash baskets in the boiler room to leave the area, he rushed to the rectory and asked the housekeeper to call the fire department. And he ran back to the school to begin evacuation via the fire escape. So big points Aww. to James. We love him. Um, <clears throat> meanwhile, the two boys had returned. They warned their teacher and prompted her, and this prompted her and another teacher to start to lead their students out of classrooms to the annex. Uh, they looked in vain for the school principal before deciding to act on their own and started to vacate the school. And unknown to them, the principal was in the other wing covering a class for a teacher that was absent that day. So they oh left God. the building. A teacher pulled the fire alarm. It didn't ring. Several minutes later, uh, after leaving her students in the church, she goes back to the school, attempts to activate the alarm again, and this time it works, uh, but it was not automatically connected to the fire department. This time, the students, or by this time, the students and the teachers in the North Wing classrooms on the second floor were basically trapped, uh, whether wait, wait, they wait knew about the fire or not. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That fire alarm, they, what, what is it, just for noise? Why isn't it connected to the fire department? This was 58. I don't really know what the deal was at this point. Like, I don't know if it was just meant to be like a an internal thing in which it's like, okay, everybody get out and then we'll get to the, we'll let the fire department know. Or, uh, you know, I don't, it's, it was a different time. Um, yeah, that's true. 
So despite the janitor's visit to the rectory uh, shortly after 2.30 to spread the alert, there was an unexplained delay before the first telephone call from the rectory reaches the fire department at 2.42. A minute later, a second telephone call is received from a Barbara Glowacki, who was the owner of a candy store on the alley kind of near where all of this is. Uh, she noticed flames <clears throat> after a passing motorist named Elmer Barkhouse entered her store Elmer. and asked if a public telephone was available to call the fire department. Love that these people are stepping up. I know. You you, you really have to love, like, normal people just being like, something is wrong. And Something's then wrong. Doing... Can we do something? Yeah. yeah. So initially people thought that this 61-year-old man who called them was a suspect until he voluntarily came forward and and explained himself. Um, And uh, then she, Barbara also used her private telephone in her apartment to notify authorities. So here's the attempted evacuations that kind of went on during all this. So the first floor landing was equipped with a heavy wooden door, which effectively blocked the fire and heat from entering the first floor hallways for a period of time. However, the Northeast stairwell Nope, stairwell. Landing on the second floor had no door like that. That was like any kind of a block. And as a result, there was no barrier to prevent the spread through the second floor hallways. And so the western stairwell landing on the second floor had two substandard corridor doors with glass panes propped open, probably by a teacher at the time of the fire. But this caused further drafts of air and an additional oxygen supply to feed the flames. And two other doors were chained open when they should have been closed, and these doors were at first at the first and second floor levels leading to the annex. And the upper door was quickly closed, but the lower one remained open throughout the fire. As the fire consumed the stairway, like I said, there was that, that set of pipes that like basically fed superheated gases for several minutes on a direct route to the attic. Um, and the building's old roof had been recoated numerous times, and the tar had become very thick, and consequently the heat of the fire was not able to burn quickly through the roof. If it had, it would have opened a hole that would have served to vent a lot of the smoke and gases and everything. Oh, I see. And eventually, as the temperature continued to rise, the, the wood of the the roof structure eventually, like, flashed over and just kind of, I mean, it just, like, hit the shitter. And so the fire sweeps down the hallways, uh, ventilation grates into the second floor corridor. Uh, these these glass transom windows that were above the doors of each of the classroom, which you, you can picture these, right? Those, like, mm-hmm. those old ones that you could, like, push out. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they all started to break because of the heat. It allowed superheated gases and smoke in the hallway to enter classrooms. And by the time students and their teachers in the second floor classrooms realized the danger, um, their sole escape route into the hallway was impassable. And it had essentially become a perfect fire trap at this point. So for 329 children and five teaching nuns, the only remaining means of escape was to jump. Uh, to what was essentially concrete or crushed rock below them or wait for the fire department to rescue them. And so recognizing the situation that they were in, some of the nuns encouraged the children to sit at their desks or gather in a semicircle and pray. But the uh, smoke, heat, and flames basically forced them to the windows. One nun, uh, Sister Mary Davidus Divine. It's kind of a baller name. For a nun, big time. Mm -hmm. Ordered her students in room 209 to place books and furniture in front of the doors uh, to help slow the entry of smoke. Very smart. Good thinking. Okay, Divine. Uh, um, To help slow it until the the rescuers could basically arrive. Um, Out of the 55 students in the room, eight escaped with injuries and two died. Um, Beverly Berta, who was the last student remaining in the room, evidently passed out 
from smoke inhalation and died when the roof collapsed. And another student, Valerie Toma, died at a hospital as a result of her extensive burn injuries. So the fire department units arrive within four minutes of actually being called. So love, love a speedy response, but hate that it took so long for them to get notified. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, by then, the fire had been burning unchecked for about 40 minutes and was fully out of control at this point. Uh, the fire department was initially hampered because they had been incorrectly directed to the rectory address uh, found around the corner, and valuable minutes were lost repositioning fire trucks and hose lines. Sure. Additional yeah. firefighting equipment was summoned rapidly as the fire situation was upgraded to a five alarm, so all available equipment and units. 1959, uh, the fire, the National Fire Protection Association's report on the blaze exonerated the rapid response of the Chicago Fire Department and its initial priority to rescue pupils rather than fight the flames. Um, the south windows of the north wing overlooked like a, like a courtyard on three sides. Um, because of earlier problems with vandalism, the gate for like the fence that was around it <clears throat> was routinely kept locked, so firemen could not get ladders to the children on the south windows without first breaking through the gate. So they spent two minutes having to do that with sledgehammers. Yeah. Uh, before they managed to smash it by bu- by backing a fire truck into it. Love that. Love that. They're like, fuck it. Let's just run over this shit. The fire uh, truck but- is the sledgehammer. They're like, just reverse it. <laughs> you want to see a sledgehammer? I'll show you a sledgehammer. So, but unfortunately, this locked gate situation delayed the rescues of rooms 209 and 211. So <sighs> they started rescuing kids from the second floor windows, but nightmare conditions in some of the classrooms had already become unbearable and kids were stumbling crawling and fighting their way to the windows trying to breathe and escape they jumped fell or were pushed out the windows before firemen and ladders could reach them uh children were jumping with their hair and clothes on fire and some later died as a result of the fall and several more were seriously injured and many of the smaller kids were trapped behind frantic students at the windows Some younger students who managed to secure a spot at a window were then unable to climb over the high windowsills or were pulled back by others, and the temperature continued to decrease until a flashover occurred in the hallway in several of the classrooms approximately 2.55 p.m. Yo, flashovers Uh, are the scariest fucking things. I know. And so firemen struggled to basically pull the students and nuns from the windows, um, and eventually those those classrooms uh, exploded. And firemen noticed that the white shirts of children in the windows changed color and turned brown. And shortly after the flashover, a wide portion of the school's roof collapsed, like I mentioned before. And that's over rooms 208, 209, and 210. <clears throat> and the downward rush of heat killed several other students and their teachers in rooms 208 and 210 instantly. Um, inside the school, one nun rolled petrified children down a stairwell when fear made them freeze. Uh, injured students were rolled? rushed to five different... She, yeah, she just, like, pushed them. She rolled them down the stairs. She was like, you gotta keep going. Wow. Um, injured students were rushed to five different hospitals, sometimes in the cars of strangers. Uh, priests Ugh. from the rectory came to the scene, grabbing frightened students and escorting them uh, to the doors. One of the priests, Father Joseph Agnabene and Sam Tortorice, a parent of one of the students... Uh, was able to rescue most of the kids in room 209 by passing them through a courtyard window on the second floor into the annex uh, with the janitor who was badly injured himself from a deep glass cut on his arm working in tandem with father Charles Hund to open a locked emergency door. Why are these doors locked? Why like, are wh- they locked? Why so much of this why I feel would like you could have been prevented? Lock an emergency door. 
I don't know. It's insane. Um, so, like, the, the, by this point, like, like I said, there was explosions. Like, some of these rooms had filled with, with toxins. Um, and a lot of people, like, succumbed to asphyxiation. Uh, they started, like, pouring water into certain rooms. And the children who had not asphyxiated were then rescued. Um the lady who owns the candy store took injured children there uh, to escape the chill while they awaited medical attention. Um, neighbors and parents raced to the school to rescue students on the lower floor. And local radio and television reports soon started to broadcast the news all across the city. Um, <clears throat> mothers pleaded to enter the burning structure. A crowd of more than 5,000 parents and onlookers had to be held back by police lines. So it was like a whole thing. And, you know, this is like... I'm getting chills. This is like a relatively, I mean, this is 1950s Chicago Italian community. So clearly this was like a very close knit group of people. Right. This was something that like it would take years and years and years uh, for that community to recover from this whole thing. Yeah. If they ever uh, did. Yeah, exactly. And so um, that's like kind of like the main how all of this happened they were able to rescue more than 160 children from the inferno um many of the children were carried out though were already dead and some of the bodies were so badly charred that they they broke into pieces when being picked up oh isn't my that god. horrendous oh i know my god i know um Oof. so there was of course an investigation into this the cause of the fire was never officially determined but this is where things get a little sketchy so in 1962 a boy who was a student at this school at the time of the fire confessed to setting the fire uh at the time of the fire he was 10 years old a court judge later concluded that the evidence was insufficient to substantiate the confession and officially the cause of the fire remains unknown now here's some background though from the family my family apparently so apparently this the kid passerella press do, 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 So, apparently, you're killing this... it with the sound effects today. Yeah, we don't need sound effects. I'll just do them all from now you're on. You're crushing it. So, apparently, this kid comes forward with this news, mm-hmm. and then um, retracts it, and then the family immediately left town. Uh, oh, so he did it. It seems very, very, very sketchy to me. Like, I mean, I guess. From the point of the family, they were probably like, look, we're, like, all afraid for our lives at this point. If if this is the case that our son did this, like, everybody's going to be coming after us. Right. Uh, so that's just kind of, like, to me, when I heard that, I was like, well, that's super sketchy, in my that's opinion. That's very sketchy behavior. And as we know from Monk's Castle, if you're fleeing a situation, it's probably because you did something wrong. That's why we invented the word fleeing. That's exactly it. Um, so that's kind of like, you know, basically they kind of Ugh. left it as we don't know what happened. In right. 1959, the National Fire Protection Association had a report on this whole thing mm-hmm. and blamed civic authorities and the Archdiocese of Chicago for, quote, housing their children in fire traps. <laughs> yep. So the report noted that both the Chicago School Board and the Archdiocese of Chicago continue to allow some schools to be legally operated despite having inadequate fire safety standards. And although uh, this school had passed a routine fire department safety inspection weeks before the disaster, the school was not legally bound to comply with all 1958 fire safety codes. 
due to Why a grandfather not? clause in the 1949 standards. And existing older schools like this one were not required to retrofit the safety devices that were required by code in all schools after 1949. That, that so, should not be allowed. You should not be able to grand, get grandfathered through to be like, we don't have to put these safety features in our building where children are housed. Exactly. And so, like, after this, so December 1958, Life magazine prints a major article about the fire uh, containing, you know, pictures and reconstructed drawings of the classrooms. Um, it also featured an image of firefighter Richard Scheidt. Stop. I'm sorry. Carrying the body of a 10-year-old uh, from the building. The photograph, um, there's there's a photograph of someone named Jajkowski, which was a fifth grader, uh, later served as a fire prevention safety poster nation, uh, nationwide. Nationwide. Oh, my God. He's now an accomplished musician. Oh, that, that like, makes my heart feel a little better. Yeah. Um... But I'm so after sad this whole, for all these people. After this whole thing, um, Percy Bugby, who is president of the National Fire Protection Agent Association, said in an interview, quote, There are no new lessons to be learned from this fire, only old lessons that tragically went unheeded. Oh, yeah, I have to these say. These people are nuking this. They're, I mean, they're like. They're pulling zero punches. Yeah, big time. So, um, sweeping changes in school fire safety regulations were enacted nationwide after this. And some 16,500 older school buildings in the United States were brought up to code within one year of the disaster. Good. Which is amazing and good. And so ordinances to strengthen Chicago's fire code and new amendments to the Illinois State Fire Code were passed. Uh, the NFPA estimated about 68% of all U.S. communities inaugurated and completed fire safety improvements after this fire. Uh, one of which being an increased number of law-mandated fire drills throughout the academic year. Uh, in addition, fire investigators came from as far away as London to study the lessons that could be learned from here, thus improving the field of fire investigation. And the City Council of Chicago passed a law requiring that a fire alarm box be installed in front of schools and other public safety or, uh, assembly venues. Interior fire alarm systems of these buildings must be connected to the street fire alarm box. Another requirement was that all schools where it was deemed vital would have sprinkler systems installed. Uh, nine months later, in September 1959, Fire Commissioner Quinn, when interviewed by WNBQ reporter, like a local, mm -hmm. you know, Len O'Connor, admitted that although 400 of the 10, 1,040 schools in Chicago at the time had been deemed in critical need of sprinkler systems, only two actually had sprinklers installed, which is horrendous to me. Um, and then the school itself, the ruins were dismantled in 59 and a new Our Lady of Angels school located at 3814 West Iowa Street was constructed in compliance with all the latest required fire safety standards, including a sprinkler system. And the modern three-story building now had 32 classrooms plus a kindergarten opened up in 1960. And donations from around the world helped to fund the new construction. And as a result of the steady decline in enrollment during the 90s, the Archdiocese of Chicago closed the school after the class of 1999 graduated. My, my now, the family members who were in this, they are my dad's cousins. Uh, mm -hmm. It was, uh, I don't want to say their name, so I'm not going to, but um, it was a woman and her younger brother. She was on the second floor, but she got out and made it down to the first floor where her brother was and got him out. And they made it out. Wow. But she, she recalls 
and, and this is, you know, I didn't get to speak to her, so this is like paraphrasing on what my dad told me, but I mean, she recalls seeing kids' faces pressed up against the windows, like all of that horrific imagery oh. from from down below when she had gotten out. And there is like a whole book about all of this uh, from a woman who survived, uh, but she was a severe burn victim, and she writes all about like how it felt, uh, what the scene was like and everything. I'd like to read it. I didn't have the time to read it before I covered this, unfortunately, sure. but... This is just like a horrific thing that happened. Just a, just like a, this freak, crazy thing that, in my opinion, was caused by that one kid. Apparently, what what he claimed is that there was like a thing of dish rags that he set on fire underneath the stairs. Why? Without really giving like a why. Um, and we, we, uh, you we know, should not and, be setting things on fire, gang. No, why are why no? And and then the, his family leaves town. I mean, to me, that just seems. How, you know. how old was was your father's cousin? Do you think? Oh, at this time, well, I don't know. I mean, she must have been pretty young. This was a K through eight, so I don't really know. And then to have been. the strength of mind to be like, I have to go get my brother. Yeah, I know. It's um the whole thing is crazy, and I can't believe that we have family members who lived through this. That's wild. Uh, it's, so it's just like, it's, it's this insane, really sad thing that happened. Um, I'm so happy that like, there was a lot that came of it. A lot of really, really needed changes. A lot of like far stricter rules. Like all these things exist for a reason, these rules, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, I don't know. Everybody's like, thinks that some of these rules for like these fire codes and everything else are bullshit. But like, when you think about something like this that happened, that could have so easily been prevented, it's like, yeah. well, thank God we have rules like that now, and now we just have right. to follow them, and a lot of trouble could be saved. Yeah, and there was a, um, <clears throat> at my old building where I lived, there was a fire door, and I always, like, every time I passed it to go do laundry, mm-hmm. I was always like, I wonder, like, if I, I had this moment where I was like, if I, it was an old building, I was like, if I push that door, will, like, the whole thing go off and somebody was coming up from the basement fell into that door and we all got evacuated out of the building because the fire alarm was so loud yeah and it's i mean it's very infuriating when someone sets off the alarm but it's also good because then it works right that's exactly it like then you know at least in a situation when it would actually be needed right it would would function well you remember in our schools like we oh, had yeah. those fire drills, and, like, as soon as they triggered the alarm, all of those doors would slam shut, remember? They were, like, automatic, yeah. just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. But it was, I mean, that's, it's, these are, these are little, little babies. It's and so have, awful. There's a, I think it was, like, the, I forget what Dad called it. I don't know if it was, like, the Mount Carmel Cemetery or whatever, but they have this huge dedication to these kids. They're all mm. buried there. Um, there's like a huge, like, I guess like monument or something to them. It's terrible. Um, it is terrible. Those poor people. And the thing that like, aside from the loss, obviously, which is just like God awful. The thing that really bothers me is just how preventable it was. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's also, I think fire is the scariest thing in the world. It's, it's just everything happened so quickly yeah yeah it's um we did like a little bit of fire investigation stuff back when i was studying forensics and that was what i had like considered actually like specializing in if we were gonna you know Mm -hmm. if if i had stayed that route 
it's a really interesting field, um, and it's really interesting to see all the different markers that you can look at at the like you know the remains of the buildings and everything else to help determine kind of piece together what happened. Right. I also have to just say a blanket statement of God bless firefighters. For sure, all these people who just like knowingly and voluntarily fling themselves headfirst in these like raging right. fires. It's crazy. It's in a good way. That's the most heroic shit ever. Big time. Yeah. And so. Wow. That's so sad. I'm sorry to end on a heavy note, but, you know, my dad recommended to me. uh, It is. It is a strange event that just Mm -hmm. like there were just so many things there that just lined up perfectly for this disaster to happen. Yeah. It was such a and it's something so weird to be like oh that door was propped open because if the fire hadn't started you know mm-hmm. a door being propped open wouldn't even have been something on anybody's radar yeah you know right. what i'm saying like it's it's yeah. such a common thing and also like but like why are we chaining things yeah that's and very like locking weird. thing vital thing I, I like there were just so many locking things there an emergency an door emergency makes door. no sense no that's crazy so it's just like but I'm so glad that so many things came out of it that, you know, yeah. could help to prevent something of this nature again. And, I mean, bless all those people that were, like, springing into action to help everyone. Yeah, strangers driving kids to the hospital, the woman yeah. in her candy store who took a bunch of kids in, the random guy who, who came into the store and was like, can I use your phone? Something's wrong, you know. And the, the janitor that ran, but even those, those three yeah. girls that went in to alert the teacher to be like, something's not right. Yeah, seriously. It's, uh, you know. But, like, in all the people that did survive, like, they have to live with those Oof. horrors in their minds. You know, that's, oh my that's, God. it's crazy. And so that's, that's the Our Lady of Angels fire in Chicago. Sorry to end on a heavy note, but. Do you, okay, I have a question that's going to be a little bit of a mood change here. You remember that thing that we were told when we were kids that if you pulled the fire alarm, you got that shit on your hands? Like ink or whatever. Do you think that's true? I don't know. That's a weird self-fulfilling prophecy because I've never pulled a fire alarm, but I've always wondered. I know. I have too. Um, I want to say like it could be true because I think doing that, like setting off the fire alarm if there's literally nothing and just doing that, I'm not sure if it might actually be like a like a legal. I think it's a crime. Yeah. Like I think it's a, I think it's like an offense. So I, think I so. So maybe it makes sense if there would be actual ink involved with that or or whatever it shoots out. And I'm assuming if there is a fire and you're the one to pull the alarm, you don't care if you have something on your hands if there's a fire. God, no. That right. would be the furthest thing from my mind, at least. Right. Yeah. Wow. So that's wild. That's, uh, that's all, folks. It, uh, what I yeah. could do, though, like, if you're interested, um, I can go back and I can maybe like have a call with with my dad's cousin. I guess she would be my second cousin. I'm not good with that. I don't know. And it I have to say Italians use the word cousin very loosely. It's true. She is literally his cousin though. <laughs> right. But, but yes, I, I have met a lot of Italian relatives that they're like, "Oh, they're so and so's cousin." I'm like, "Who?" Yeah, or they're my how? uncle, or they're, and it's like, there's right. literally no relation. You're like, yeah. how are they related to us? Yeah. Like, oh, right, they're not. Exactly. You're like, oh. Oh, okay, yeah. Got it. It's not blood, but, but the love's real. Yeah, we bond over the pastry. Yeah, love a good pizza dough. <laughs> so, yeah, but um, that's it. Uh, so, I guess just like, 
I, I don't really have a takeaway from that other than, you know, be safe, uh, be mindful. Don't, and, and for Anna's like, you know, don't, don't join any cults. That's right. <laughs> if there's, if there's a creepy person, get away. If there's a fire, get low and get the fuck out. That's right. Uh, and until next time, stay strange. Ha, 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 ha.